the morning after. The NDP has won the provincial election, so today we heard from NDP MLA Bernadette Smith on the historic win, and we heard from Doctors Manitoba on what's next for healthcare. We also talked about how Canadians are facing what's being called a financial storm. We also learned that eating disorders are on the rise, and Elections Manitoba had some issues on Tuesday night. And then Greg had some issues on Wednesday morning, and it all had to do with digital technology. So we asked you to tell us about times you got stymied, stumped by digital tech. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, October 4th podcast for The Start. Good morning. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And the answer is yes. They are both here. And people texting me last night. Are they going to be at work? Not only are they here, but Greg actually beat me to work today because I was I was going to go to bed at 10, but like it hadn't been called yet. So I'm like, well, I got to stay up to see what happens here. I think it was finally 11 o'clock well, when you, I turned the TV High off. drama, man. You sent us a text that says, you guys come in late if you want. It's been a late night. And I, I was like, stay in bed. From the dude who is uh, texting in the late night itself, but it was all over the place last night. Yeah, it was uh, like, so I, kudos, first of all, to A, for the fact that you're alive. <laughs> Never mind present, but you made it and you both did a great job last night Thanks, on man. a historic night. Loren in Manitoba. Well, we have a new premier designate of Manitoba. As we just were saying, Greg, what a night to get there. You were at NDP headquarters and we come down to you and they'll be talking to be like, oh, the mood's up. Mood's down. Mood's up. You know, because the magic number, of course, was 29, which is majority territory. But the results were coming uh, out not fast and furious. They came not out of the gates all. hard and it looked like that's where we're going. Uh, but it took longer than normal for the first batch to come in of votes. There's this new system with new technology. For more than an hour, we had several ridings that were reporting 0% polls results. And there were times when the results stalled. And before we could fully see where things were going, we had Dougald Lamont, leader of the Liberal Party, concede. Then Heather Stephenson conceded. Greg, I think we'd agree she looked almost relieved in that moment. I would say I, said, I feel that I would say she looked as relaxed and joyful as I've seen her in the last several years, quite frankly. So we had two premiers quit before we were had we're officially saying this is an NDP win. I mean, if you didn't if you don't if you liked drama, that was it for me. Welcome to Decision Manitoba 2023, our global news province-wide election coverage. And there are lineups at at least a half dozen polling stations. They remain open. And Loren, no matter what happens tonight, it's a historic night ahead. Well, how many nights do you get to start where you know it's going to end up as one for the record books? I think it's going to be quite the night. What are you looking forward to here tonight? Well, listen, I couldn't help when we came through uh, Canada in Fort Gary here tonight and the old celebration sign was above yeah. the door. I thought, will we have a celebration here tonight? I guess the question in this room, was healthcare the issue to hang the political hat and future of the NDP upon in this province? It would be interesting to find out if Dougal Lamont's message that you do not have to hold your nose and vote for another party. And I just want to let people know, you're listening on CGOB. The pollsters would tell us late in the campaign that change may be in the air. And based on these early numbers, 
it looks like maybe there may be change in Manitoba. This is all kind of unfolding as we expected with Battleground Winnipeg, more orange at this point than blue. Look, I'm the hockey guy. These are shots on goal right now. These aren't goals until seats are won. Still waiting for Elections Manitoba. You got some automated machines there. Like, come on, let's get the results out. We haven't heard a cheer here no. yet. We're what, almost an hour into the show here. If you're listening on 680 CJOB, I'm going to warn you, we're going down to NDP headquarters with Marnie Blunt and Greg Mackling, and uh, it's loud. It is theory. I mean, this is the way they're going to sell it to themselves as a party. They wanted the Conservatives out so bad that they were willing to do anything to get it, and the path they saw to victory, if that's the buy-in we have to take from the Liberal candidate, was through the But it explains the NDP. why every time we turned on global television in 680 CJOB, Wab Canoe was talking healthcare, healthcare, healthcare. I am truly sad today to be losing, but the people have spoken. I'm not sure the thundersticks are going to get used tonight, or at least not yet. Heather Stephenson's being sent a message by her own constituents. Brand new system there. Um, Brand new system. In terms of tabulating the votes in, in most of the ridings, and so of course there will be a full post-mortem on how this worked and how to approve upon it. How busy do you expect those phone lines tomorrow? They will be busy tomorrow. <laughs> Connecting Winnipeg, 10 to noon. It is with a heavy heart tonight that I am announcing that I will be stepping down as the leader of the Progressive Conservative Party of Manitoba. This is a great victory for all of us in Manitoba. Looking at the team right now, government. Sounds pretty good, huh? Miigwech. Merci. Thank you very much. 680 CJOB, bright and early tomorrow morning with Loren now. Be there, All right. <laughs> Thank you for being with us tonight. That was Decision Manitoba. Winter peg, holy man, it's cold out. Wab Canoe broke out last night during his speech <laughs> and he discussed the fact that little old Winnipeg, little old Manitoba had done something that the big cities had been afraid to do to this point in time, and that was to, you know, elect uh, a progressive government. And in his mind, these are his words, not mine. And I was blown away at at the way Wob delivered that speech. I was looking for a teleprompter somewhere in the room. There wasn't one to be found. We mentioned also heading into this, Heather Stephenson looks so relieved, happy, almost joyful as she left the stage. But I have to say, her concession speech was incredibly gracious. Moments ago, I called Wab Canoe to congratulate him on becoming the next Premier of Manitoba. Mr. Canoe, don't, and I don't always agree on everything, but like me, I know that he loves this province and he loves the people of Manitoba. And I wish him all the best and will make every effort in a smooth transition in the premiership. Sounded sincere. That, that was heartfelt. When I watched that last night, I, uh, the comment was, well, there she is. You know, there's been a lot of talk throughout the last few weeks that the reason why she was doing all these one-on-ones, not big media availabilities, not these big announcements, because her wheelhouse is in the smaller room with, with, with the people versus in that big stage setting. And so she connected there, which perhaps had, was part of the problem in that campaign, the lack of connection, but perhaps does feel some relief this morning. It's been a slog of a two years, harder three or four years when you consider the pandemic. And maybe there is some relief when you wake up and think, okay, I'm done, but today's a new day 
And now it's a new day for Wab Canoe. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb as we continue to look at what happened last night. We had a record number of Manitobans vote in the advanced polls. It was crazy. More than 200,000 compared to 110,000 and change in 2019. Yeah, and I think that, you know, it was 55% of the voter turnout in 2019. And so when we saw that record turnout for advanced voting, we were like, well, does that translate into higher overall turnout? And we were warned and we said it ourselves, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. People like convenience. And sure enough, in the end, 55% turnout last time, 54% yesterday. And so we actually went down in what was called a potential change election, in an election where all sorts of people appeared to be really engaged. They didn't come out as they did even in the last one, which was, a, you know, by comparison, I'm just using editorial scene here, a dud of election in that you you knew that the Tories were going to hold on. Yeah, there were there wasn't much mystery four right. years ago in terms of what was going to happen. The tone, the temperature of the electric had been very well taken and we knew what to anticipate. But yes, in an election where there were diverse, very diverse opinions, very diverse takes on the issues from from all sides, from all three campaigns from the major parties. And the idea that just 54% ended up voting, I guess, is a little disappointing. And then the elections Manitoba situation, also uh, the idea with uh, the lack of uh, quick results, Brett, just didn't exactly turn out that way. Yeah, there's getting the vote and then how the votes are counted. So we brought in this new technology this year. If you voted, you noticed your vote went through a machine, not into a box. So in theory, that should lead to easier counts, potentially quicker results, but that just was not the case last night. Yes, and it's new. So we were warned that there could be some glitches along the way as they try to work out the kinks, and they, there were glitches. So Global's chief political correspondent, David Aiken, was in studio with us last night and at several points you know, was pointing out how frustrating it was because the results were, or in many cases, were not coming in. We still have a tie up in Kiwatnook, which is almost certainly going to go to the NDP column at the end of the night. But right now, two, two. Again, this is elections, elections Manitoba, uh, you know, two hours into the after the polls have closed. And all they've been able to do is count four ballots in a riding. That's really not a performance standard that you want any elections authority to uh, to be proud about. Something's got to be done there, and I'm sure people will be asking Elections Manitoba to review their performance tonight. It hasn't been exactly a thriller. I just got a text message. My dad worked in the election yesterday. Worked from 6.30 yesterday morning till 10.30 last night. And so the returning officers and everyone involved in that uh, obviously not involved in disseminating and, and getting the information out. So a massive tip of the cap to everybody who is involved in uh, bringing democracy to our, our province. 7,000 people working in those polls. Huge job. Hey, by the way, happy National Truckers Appreciation Day. Oh, really? Like, oh, good. Senator Don pointing it out. And it makes sense because the date is 10 <laughs> Oh, well done. How are, why am I just hearing about this now? I don't know. I never heard oh, that. Oh, we should just play. Fun ever. Yes. <laughs> just wanted to very quickly say hello, good morning, and thanks to all who were at the Refit Center yesterday who popped over to say hello. Uh, listener, many listeners of CJOB yesterday for the Community Health Fair as part of Active Aging Week. And we'll actually learn more about what is Active Aging Week tomorrow. We'll be joined by the Refit Center. But today, we, right now, we want to focus on a financial 
storm. Canadians are continuing to feel the pinch on their wallets with inflation, interest rates, and cost of living. That's creating an intensifying financial stress storm. That's according to a survey by the National Payroll Institute. Yeah, not a small survey either. The survey of 1,500 working Canadians, including 81% who are full-time workers, found the number who considered themselves financially stressed has jumped by 20% in the last year to 37% overall. Experts say... It's time to plan ahead. Sean Preville of Global News sorts out the details. There's a financial storm that's brewing. The data paints a difficult picture for working Canadians and how they are dealing with their finances. Of this group, 63% say they spend their entire net pay to keep their heads above water, with another 30% surpassing that by dipping into savings or debt. As a result, about two-thirds of the financially stressed are living paycheck to paycheck and half feeling overwhelmed. However, personal finance expert Rubina Ahmed-Hawk says this is not the best course of action. Uh, don't access your money out of your line of credit. Don't put more money on the credit card that you know you can't afford to pay. So that's number one. With that added financial stress, some Canadians may be looking at changing jobs or even getting a second one. However, a survey from employment agency Robert Half says many Canadians want better pay transparency. Two-thirds of job candidates say not receiving salary information when requested means they wouldn't pursue a job. Some employers are taking note of this, with 80% of managers surveyed saying they include salary ranges, with half saying it helps attract skilled candidates. National Payroll Institute President Peter Zanatakis says with Canada still facing low unemployment and rising wages, people should prepare for the future. If they can't handle their household finances in a way that's going to help them move out of there, um, there could be more turbulent times ahead. For Canadians feeling that crunch, Ahmed Haq says it may be time to rethink that home renovation or family vacation. Uh, You could feel a little bit better about your cash flow and you're not going into more debt because oftentimes uh, when you take on big projects, they can become a lot more expensive. As Canadians face what some could call a financial storm, Ahmed Haq adds Canadians should consider going over their finances to see where else they could save. So that stress doesn't lead to more issues that some are already facing. Sean Preble, Global News. For sure, we should all be going over our financial statements. But 10 years ago, five years ago, two years ago, we've done segments on the idea of how hard it is to talk about your finances. And that's before we got to here, where that survey showed 66% who consider themselves financially stressed are living paycheck to paycheck. And that's... It was a headline maker when over half of us were living paycheck to paycheck. And now you're talking about maybe 66% upwards closer to 70 are feeling that way. So I I, I totally agree. You want to talk money, but it feels like because this inflationary pressure just creeps up and up and up and up and up, you just eat it. And then you haven't reflected to look back, like how much have I been eating and not making headway on what, which is coming up on years. We get to the new year where we're two years into this. This reminds me of Sunday nights at Grapes on Maine. <laughs> we would go out for industry nights. I was night. like, what, what is this, the milk we run? We would go out for... Chi-Chi's? <laughs> yes, it's Where Chi-Chi's. are we getting to this? Yes, it's Chi-Chi's. And it was called industry night yep. at Grapes on Maine back in the late 80s, early 90s. It was $2 drinks. And of course, at the beginning of the night, $2 sounds really cheap and, you know, 25 cents for tax and a little bit for a tip or whatever. And so everybody's ordering like there's no tomorrow. Well, and then it's three o'clock and the bill comes. I didn't have that many. (laughs) Did you have that? I didn't. I don't think I had that. You scrutinize the bill 
at the end of the night while you're intoxicated and you've got other things on your mind. And so, <laughs> so it's, we're all it's, drunk. An, it's like a drunken metaphor. Right. So it's an a- absolute disaster. And the time to keep count was at the beginning of the night. My grandpa always said, look after the dimes and quarters and the dollars will take care of themselves. We do it in the reverse order. And here we are, I think, as a vast majority of Canadians who work hard, pay their bills, like to do things here and there, go to eat, go to concerts, go to hockey. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. fine. Yeah, there's there's always another payday. Those paydays are like you're you're watching the calendar for those paydays and for a lot of people they haven't watched for when payday is since they were in their 20s and now they're in their 50s. I know this wasn't your point but I think it was about a year ago that I went out for an event sitting next to you my big okay. <laughs> I was just thinking the same and thing. And I had you know, a handful of drinks. Yeah, you helped me get to my cab but the bill came and I was like sorry. First of all, I had I had that many, eh? and then second of all, I've been ordering seventeen dollar or twenty two dollar glasses of wine, not paying attention to that price. And that that I know that wasn't your point. It was sort of my but point, it, but it, like well, not to reflect on the actual liquor yeah. bill, but that's exactly what yeah, happened. You didn't have that much. I felt perplexed. Like, yeah, this is your how bill, we got here. You had, your bill was higher than mine. Yes. And I think and you, I consumed twice as much as you did. And, that's and then we're like, like, I mean, like, what happened? How? Brad put me in a cab. How? But that's the question. How did we get here? And then I instantly actually felt way more alcohol in my system. Like, like as if the impact of the cost was like, <laughs> well, now I'm feeling it. Now I'm feeling it. Got to go home. That was pangs of distress, anger, yes. and disappointment in yourself. I even texted him the next day. Did I read that right? <laughs> Sorry. Like, this is derailing the whole no, thing. No, but that's but- a perfect example because that's the, uh, I thought that's the first thing I thought of was that <laughs> night. And I remember your shock at that. And, and in terms of the paycheck to paycheck thing, I'm... I've I've sort of referenced uh, here and there that like I've I've experienced the unusual levels of anxiety and I've oh, like for the last several months and I think a lot of it has to do with finances because mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I get that text message from the bank letting me know that I've crossed the hundred dollar threshold right. and like like it's today on we just got paid a few days ago like i remember i i i got it like 2 days after we got paid several times right and you have and, 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 just, and then, and then you have this black cloud hanging over yeah. your head until you get paid cuz you're like i don't how deep into overdraft am i going to go cuz at that point you have no choice it's either overdraft or it's your credit card like we heard in that thing don't use your yeah. credit card unless you can afford to pay for it and i my i laughed at that because i think back to 18 year old brett signing up for a mastercard at the university of manitoba and from it, it, from it's now 2023 that was in 1995 i still haven't learned that lesson so yeah i'm one of the 66 percent for sure finances i'm not sure we can add much more to this conversation <laughs> let's take a break from red It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We have a heebie-jeebies VIP package up for grabs, and it has to do with times you were stumped, stymied by digital technology. It happened last night. Elections Manitoba, a little slow on the, the uptake on getting those results out with the new technology. But then Mackling 
You had something that happened to you this morning on the way in. Yeah, of course. I pull into the drive-thru, Tim Hortons, McLeod, and Henderson Highway every single morning. It's at the point now where I just say, good morning. And the and the lady on the other side, she knows exactly who it is. I don't even have to place my order. See you at the window. I pull up. I'm sorry, but our uh, systems are down this morning. I can't enter any orders or accept your payment in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> I go up my console. I go, but I have money. I have <laughs> cash money. Take my money. She says, I, 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 there's no way to do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't understand what? that. I don't, like, that ha- what? Like, wh- why not write down a piece of paper what you ordered, take your money, because you know, you know how much it is. It's a red rose tea bag. <laughs> and yeah. and yeah. hot water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Times four it, yeah. of its original price. Oh, four. More than that. I don't know what tea it's costs. Like, 40 it's, times 40? It's like a 1,600% markup. We were just talking about foolishly spending money. That is the biggest... Like that's just a routine thing. I'm paying for the routine. I'm paying for the delight of the smile of the person adding me my tea because I don't want to do the the actual cost of that. Greg versus I, versus what I'm paying. If I was working there, I would have just I would have just given it to you. Yeah. Thanks, Cam. <laughs> When's your next shift? <laughs> so two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight of our chance to win that heebie-jeebies package. A time you got stumped. By digital technology. Cam Poitras, start us off. Well, I was trying to help my dad out and set up um, uh, like the lights in his house with for Alexa. Okay. And it was a two-day ordeal getting them to sync up. Um, I was sitting on the ground fr- frustrated. Like I had given up the first day after about two hours. And I said, that's enough. I'll, I'll go after this tomorrow. And it just ate away at me all day knowing that I was going to ho- go home and do that. And again, I'm sitting there trying to figure this thing out again, getting increasingly, increasingly frustrated. And I just said, dad, I don't know what I'm going to do. I I can't, I can't do this. I can't, it's just not working. He goes, okay, let me try something. 45 seconds later, he had it figured out and he didn't get up off his couch. He did it on his phone. And I'm like, dad, if you could have done it in 45 seconds, why am I here? I'm sitting there for hours (laughs) trying to figure this out. You, you could have done it that quickly, that fast. He wanted time with you. He missed you. I yeah, well, like I was to trying to tick me off. Cam's rants like some sort of ringtone for life. <laughs> you know, like, well, I, well, yeah, I don't even care what the words coming yeah. out of your mouth are. You're, the way you feel is like where it's so many moments I would just hit play on that. Be like, that's me. I have time to explain. I didn't even, I, I know that like it's my anger's coming on now, but at the moment my dad did it in 45 minutes, 45 seconds. It was like a relief, but at the same time I'm like, oh but God, did, dad, did he, why did, did you have, make me do that? But did he have the answer the whole time or I, did he just, did it just come to him I, in that moment? I know. I think he did. I think he just wanted me to do it. <laughs> He's just messing with you. I don't think he was messing with me. I think he just wanted me to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's, I, we, we, were, we were living together at the time. It's not like it was, it was like, I don't he know. He was testing the strength of your bond. Yes. That's what he was doing. <laughs> Apparently it was strong. Sarah, Apparently it's strong. Yeah, for me, mine was with the Starbucks app. So I don't go there too often. It's not an everyday thing, that's for Starbucks. sure. With the price. Cam, with the price Cam, not. you hear this? Sarah's going to Starbucks. Well, this, no the, comment. 
<laughs> you will not be proud of me after this. Just just wait. Um, so I collect the points. Like when I do go like scan the app, whatever, I had enough points to get like a free drink. And like when you can get a free drink, like you can customize that however you want. It's all free. So I'm like, can I get like a quad shot with foam with this chocolate? Whatever. I don't know. A lot of different stuff. It added up to like almost $10 for like a large. I get to the window. They're like, yeah, our point system is down. You can, We can't uh, run this through for free. Oh, so you got to shovel out like the $10. Oh. <laughs> that was like, okay. So uh, that was that. I think that's a venti. Venti, sorry, not yeah, large. See, not I don't large. go there often. <laughs> Forte, what about you? I don't know if this is technology failing me or me failing technology, <laughs> but when it comes to passwords, of course, we all have this crazy oh, thing. Can't remember my password. Trying to log in. Can't remember my password. All right. Hit reset password. Go to your email. And it says enter in a new password. You enter in what you think is a new password. And it tells you you can't use your old password. (laughs) What the heck is going on here? (laughs) Like, I just swear I put that old password in and it didn't work. But now it's telling me I can't use my old password. I don't know. Yeah. It, 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 It drives me nuts. Passwords. That's a that's a that, and we could spend four hours talking about password frustration. Well, the thing about passwords too is how often do you change it, and then you go to log like you just do it. And now I'm going to go over to my TV and redo the Netflix. Yeah. What did I? <laughs> what did I just put like in? I just did it. You know. <laughs> that's I can't, like a once I, a week thing. I can't me. get going on this authentication stuff because I'll. <laughs> Drag into an office somewhere. All hell snap! I lose it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that actually reminds me of the time where I had to reset my Facebook password, but because I just I only ever access it on my phone, so I was trying to get in. I had to access it on a computer, but I didn't remember the password, and I had to access my Yahoo email to reset it. But I hadn't accessed my Yahoo email in like five years. So I couldn't remember that password, and I, I somehow managed to figure it out, but it took me like two or three days. I remember this. Yeah. Yeah. Why were you trying to get into Facebook? It was almost like you were trying to retrieve something for our show or something. I think, yeah, I think it was work-related. Yeah. You they, were trying they, to get there some was a pro- audio there was a problem or with, something? Yeah, I don't, I don't anyway, know. Anyway, the, the point is, even I remember you going... Oh, it's attached to my Yahoo email. <laughs> I haven't used that in a decade. So now you got to reset the password for the email that you haven't used in a decade in order to reset the password that you haven't used or had to reset for nine years on the Facebook account. Yeah. I have Lots one thing I have to connect to that's through an account I only set up for my wedding, like an email thing to put out invites or something from 2009. And you're like, as if for, I'm going 14 years back to remember what the... <laughs> Let's continue the discussion on last night's election because while it was a big night for the NDP, it was a tough night for the Liberal Party. Yeah, tough night for basically everyone but the NDP. When you look at the results, so they secured 34 seats and then the Conservatives saw a significant drop and then the Liberals from three seats to one. And it has us talking this morning. Like, There's all sorts of things. There's, there's how to engage the voter. We've been saying that for four weeks while our voter turnout Last night was lower than it was in the previous election, 54% versus 55. Not a huge change, but I think we all thought maybe they would go up. It felt like everybody was talking and it was going to go up. And the Liberals starting this campaign four weeks ago, sure, they didn't even have official party status, but a lot of people, Greg, you were the first to say you loved 
he's the easiest guy to like. He's the one that made the most sense. He came into this, you know, not strong and that they're going to win, but maybe keep the three, maybe even get a fourth. And then in the last week, you could hear that shift as he campaigned more and more in his own writing because it was also, well, maybe Dougal Lamont's seat is in play. Right. And he started touting the strength of other candidates within the Liberal Party, almost like a white flag. Like polls are saying, I might lose St. Boniface. Um, you need to vote for some other people if you want a liberal voice in the legislature. And that was the tone. But everywhere I went, every conversation I had about the debate on CJOB, on the television debate, was that the people liked his message most. But he wasn't inspiring. He doesn't, He's not one of those individuals, Brett, that he's not a football coach, not a, one of those raw, raw guys and... Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. But I think when it comes to leadership, you need to have a sense that you want to line up behind this individual and that they're going to take you to the promised land. And I just never got the sense that there was ever any feeling about Dougal DeMont in that fashion. And so in quick fashion last night, before anyone had declared his seat a loss, he took to the stage and very, very... There's no other way to describe it. Very sadly said, I'm done. But ultimately the people have decided. And sometimes you get caught in a wave. And it doesn't seem to matter what you do. I'll share a message I got from a friend today. It said, our family voted Liberal today. You've been amazing throughout the campaign, providing integrity, practicality, and a genuinely strong moral compass. And I can tell you what my exact reaction was. It was, that's really nice. But that's the kind of campaign that doesn't win in Manitoba. I'm not sure if there he meant it's not the kind that wins because they can't win or if they didn't play dirty enough or hard enough or if they're always just going to be considered that third choice and therefore no choice. There's a lot of people out there. If you look at their vote last night, I think it was the popular vote for the Liberals was around 16 percent, which is higher than it's been. Like people were interested of they just course they were interested, but there was a sense, a genuine sense that this is the individual I like the most of the three leaders, but if I vote that way, I'm throwing away my vote. And that's, you know, this first past the post system, and I want to talk about election reform, but if you're looking at this and you've got 16% of the popular vote, aren't you going, hmm, isn't there some Argument for me having four, five, six seats in the Manitoba legislature with 57 seats? Maybe. I don't know. The point is this, or the question, I guess, is this. Is this the end of the Manitoba Liberal Party, at least for now, uh, since Sharon Carstairs? 80s, the mid-80s. Man, and that, you know, (laughs) that feels like it shouldn't be that long ago, but it's a long time ago. It's almost 40 years now. Uh, Since that minority government in 1988, when the liberals had some genuine influence on what was going on in Manitoba, that's a long time to pass without staking a claim on the political landscape in this province. And you have to wonder who's even going to put their hand up to be considered for this job now that Dougal Lamont has said, yeah, I'm out. But I like I don't know. I can't think of another choice I've made in life where it's this or that. You know, like if we go down to, say, a two-party, that's all the choice is. 
you, you don't go into any store and just look between two shirts. You don't go on the menu and just have two items on it. You know, you've been in relationships and you've gone on a couple of dates. You don't just do two and you end. I got the this or that. I can't stand either. I like the more, the merrier, the more choices, the merrier, which but, is all but great. It hasn't gotten us anywhere. Yeah. Well, it's all great for us to say that we want to have that choice, but by the tens of thousands, the consensus was that this was the guy that I, I kind of liked the most but couldn't justify voting for. So who are you going to, who's going to someone, someone that's got a magnetic enough personality, the intelligence to, to get the information out there, the compass to the moral compass to go out there and and do things in the way that Manitobans can respect. And then walk away. Like if you're somebody that's like that, you've already got a good job. You know, you don't need to come and run the 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 party that has exactly one seat, the Manitoba legislature. Like you'd have to do this as a goodwill gesture or something uh, for four years in order to try and rebuild this party. I could be wrong, but that's where I sense things are at, and I just don't know how you would attract the person that encompasses and has all the things that you need to really make a move in terms of of having an impact. Do you? Uh, Brett, as a casual listener, and I hope that's the right term to use, you're, I think you represent most Manitobans in, in that you're not engaged for a lot of reasons. One of our listeners, Richard, says, if there was a better understanding between the difference of federal and provincial politics, Lamont and the Liberals here would at bare minimum be official opposition. Do you connect the two as a voter? Like when you're voting provincially, do you look at the Liberals here like you would federally in the NDP No, no, I don't. And, I, and that's always been something I, I will point out that that's always sort of confused me as to how the liberals can do well on a federal level in Manitoba or well enough. And they're almost non-existent on the provincial level. It's, and it comes down to that, this or that it's like, well, the federal, it's going to be probably conservatives or the liberals. And in the Manitoba, it's going to be the conservatives or the NDP. And uh, I'm surprised the liberals that their popular vote was as high as it was. Uh, so Greg, I know you mentioned you didn't want to do a talk electoral reform, but you make Make a great point there. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And on the tech front, we're asking you this morning about a time that you were stumped by digital technology. And listen to this one from Christy that ties into the election. Christy says, I got a story from last night. We went to vote. My husband had not received a voter card. My son and I had. So they went to look him up in the system. The computer reflected he had already voted and had his driver's license tagged to someone living on a street in a completely different riding. It took almost a half an hour for him to be able to vote. Isn't that something else? So at least they were able to figure it out. But yes, that's still, the good news. The yeah. bothersome part is that uh, they were in that circumstance in the first place, right? Also bothersome. Mm. Uh, Greg was unable to get a steep tea this morning from Tim's. Here's another Tim's story from Robert, <laughs> who says, it's my, my story happened this morning. It's my birthday. So happy birthday, Robert. And I was looking forward to a free donut at Tim's. I didn't know they did that. I went in and placed my order. No free donut. I told the cashier, it's my birthday. Showed him my driver's license. And she just said, I, I don't know what the problem is, but I, I'm sorry. I can't get you a free donut. No. I told her, I'm here every morning at 530. And she says, I know, but I just can't give you your donut. Anyway, that's a story of my life. No birthday donut. Sorry, Robert. Happy birthday, though. 
And some good feedback on, uh, we were just discussing the Liberals and the future of the Liberal Party. And uh, some feedback, I think, that maybe sums it up for a lot of Manitobans. Yeah, well, on one hand, Todd says, uh, what are we, USA? God help us. That idea that we might be going to, you know, there might be just two parties to choose from in Manitoba, theoretically. And uh, one of our listeners says, it pained me so much to not vote for the Liberals. I truly think Dougald would have been the best choice. But the reality is the PCs just needed to be out and the Liberals would have just split the centre-left vote and most people knew that. And that's, we're seeing that more and more and more where where people aren't necessarily voting for someone, they're voting against someone. Like when I voted for the Conservatives, Brian Pallister Eight years ago, or not, however long ago it was, I wasn't voting for the Conservatives. I was voting against Greg Selinger and the NDP. Right. So, how many others voted more, like that last uh, night? More uninspired politics, right? Yeah. That's not what we want. That's not how we make change. And so, you know, if if the people who wanted to do what that 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 listener did, and then we had forty five percent of people who didn't vote just would have gone out and 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 just voted with how they felt could have had a completely different outcome potentially it is mackling mcgarry and mcnab thank you very much for joining us this morning on the start and thanks to all who tuned in to our coverage last night on 680 cjob and on global winnipeg uh, great job all around to our it was ne- nice to see our radio colleagues on television including greg mackling and loren mcnab who are here in case you're just tuning in yep they were here bright and early this morning and let's just get right back into this here because he says he's got big plans for health care crime Mental health. After 8.07, we're going to talk to Doctors Manitoba about how they feel about the new Premier Designate's plans to bring back three emergency rooms and add capacity to our beleaguered system. But either way, here we are as of last count, and, and there might be a bit of movement depending on how close some of the races are. There are recounts if it's 50 or less, and we were trying to see if that even was a thing this morning. We couldn't find one, but it's close. We, I think, found three ridings where 60-ish. there were a, around 100, just under 100. I think the, the lowest one was maybe in maybe 70 but elections manitoba website is down again Mm, so we're also trying to get on elections manitoba because things didn't go as smoothly they warned it might not go smoothly but it it really felt like it uh, stuttered at times we're working to talk about that and how we can move forward with our electoral system but also here we are 34 seats for the ndp that's a gain of 16 from four years ago and an historic night as wab canoe became the first first nations premier of a province you know a lot of people In the big cities, they look down on us here in Manitoba. Flyover country, they said. Winter pig, man, it's cold out, they said. But look what little old Manitoba did tonight. Manitoba was the first province to give women the right to vote. Manitoba's done a lot of very notable things. Manitoba... Manitoba did something more progressive than any of those big cities ever did. Bernadette Smith is NDP MLA for Point Douglas again. Bernadette Smith, good morning. Congratulations. 
Good morning. Thank you so very much. We appreciate you getting up at this early hour. I'm sure it was uh, a very late night for for those celebrating. And we know there are so many issues to get to. But what are your thoughts as you wake up this morning and reflect on this historic win? What's going through your head, Bernadette? Uh, Well, it was a very emotional night, of course, you know, to see Manitobans come together and, you know, just to feel the the excitement and just the energy and driving home to see so many people out on the streets as well. And just all the texts coming from people and just, just to feel like that we're going to be getting to work and doing some stuff. Cause I've just seen just the, the damage that has been done to our province in the last seven years. And, you know, whether it's seeing people sleeping in our bus shacks or, Seeing my stepmom, who's going through stage four cancer, um, going through the healthcare system, and people struggling with affordability—you know—feeling that hope that, you know, we can actually get to work and do and work on some of those issues just felt really good last night. So it's an NDP majority, but even in this change election, a lower voter turnout than last time, and the NDP. Only won 14,000 more votes overall than the PC. So how do you unite a province under that? I mean, because it's still fairly split. Well, I think every vote counts, right? And every single person that went to those polls sent a message that we want change. We want to, you know, make sure Manitoba is a better province. We want change in our health care system. We want change and making sure that we have affordable housing, we want to make sure that hydro is more affordable and we want jobs and change in our economy. Like Wob's message last night was if you want to, you know, change your life, whether you're struggling with addictions, if you want a job in Manitoba, we will get you trained up. If, you know, we want to change our healthcare system, we're going to staff up and work with the frontline workers. And I think, Manitobans really resonated with that message and certainly I was hearing that on the doorsteps like they believed in our team and that team is a rock solid team I've worked with that team for you know the last some of them since the 2019 building up to this campaign and certainly for the last six months this team has been focused they've been listening to Manitobans and Manitobans have you know, spoken last night, and we are ready to get to work. I'm going to play you some audio in a second, Bernadette. As I was leaving the building last night around 11.45 p.m., Portage Main was shut down, and, you know, it's often an essential place to gather to celebrate for a protest. And at first I wasn't sure what go- was going on, uh, and then I heard a bit of this. At one point, yelling to search the landfill, and then another yelled out, we're going to search the landfill, and then there were cheers and some horns honking, and that has been, whether you like it or not, a divisive issue as soon as it got discussed. What do you say to those who are listening and and know that that might be the way forward for the party and to maybe even the people who were at Portage Maine last night? Just a dozen, but that issue drove home so many things to so many people. Yeah, and... Lorraine, you know that that's a super close issue to my heart. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I was in St. Boniface last week, and, you know, sometimes you you have the most unexpected things happen to you on the doorstep. And 
I'd gone to this doorstep and was speaking to this very, you know, big man who was a, an engineer and was in construction. And we'd been talking about some things that weren't related to that. And as I was leaving, he said, just one more thing. And he had brought up the, the landfill and I thought it was going to go another way. And he got very emotional about, emotional about it. And he, um, he said, we need to search that landfill. And he was a non-Indigenous man. And he said, if that was, like, I can't imagine if that was my loved one. I would not want my loved one left in that landfill. So, you know, we have an obligation. We have a responsibility as human beings, not even as a government, but just as human beings, that we have to do something. And the experts have said it can be done. There are going to be some risks. And there's risks in every single job that people do. Right. So we need to listen to the experts. And we as a party have said that we would do that. So we are going to work with the experts and and move forward in that and see how it can be done safely. And that was one of our commitments. And it will be done. Bernadette, that interaction you just shared with us, that's an example of, of putting yourself in somebody else's shoes and 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 that idea of empathy, which I think is alive and well. But I think for so many of us, uh, we feel that it's, it's it's a dying art or a dying emotion. What about Indigenous people in Manitoba today? How do you think they're feeling when they turn on their television, they tune into CJOB and they hear the voice of a First Nations leader, now a premier of Manitoba, and the idea of, boy, maybe things could be better for me as well. Is that going to resonate? Absolutely, it's going to resonate. I, I think about, you know, just 40 years ago growing up in the school system, not seeing anybody reflective of myself as an Indigenous person. You know, to now see someone representative, the highest, you know, place in our province, in the Manitoba legislature, how proud these children are going to grow up, Um, not even generations that are born yet, to see, you know, someone representative in, you know, that premier's chair to walk into that building and see that person's, you know, picture on that wall and to think that they can aspire to be that or know that they can aspire to be that and to have a premier that that really anyone of color, so any BIPOC person, because that is the first BIPOC person to represent, you know, the premier of Manitoba anyone can see that and know that they can aspire to be that. So certainly, you know, changing the face of politics uh, right across, right across Canada, really. Bernadette Smith, thank you for the time. I know what, I think we were texting around 1245 AM. So I appreciate (laughs) the responses. I, yeah, you have to know that as reflective as we are today in the days ahead, there'll be lots of questions about the hard work, but we'll get to that uh, in the days ahead. Thank you, Bernadette. Thank you so much. Bernadette Smith, NDP, MLA for Point Douglas, joining us live on 680 CJOB. And once again at 8.05, we're going to hear from Doctors Manitoba on what's next for healthcare in our province. It is Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, the day after the election and healthcare, healthcare, healthcare. That's what the NDP campaigned on. And now we're waking up this morning, waiting to hear more on how the party plans to roll out 
many of the changes it has proposed over the next four years. And just as a reminder, first of all, Wapkanu right now is premier-designate. There has to be a swearing-in. There has to be an orientation for all the new MLAs. There's all sorts of things going on. And I just say that, Greg, because one of our listeners said, should their gas prices be going down? Because he campaigned on that. And (laughs) a lot of these promises don't happen instantly. And, of course, some of them might not happen at all, depending Mm. on how it goes. So a key part of the NDP's plan bringing back the three emergency rooms that were converted to urgent cares about six years ago. Dr. Michael Boroditsky is the president of Doctors Manitoba and joins us now. Good morning, doctor. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Let's start with that ER plan. Is it doable, feasible, makes sense to you? You know, uh, first I'd just like to congratulate Premier-elect Mr. Canoe, and and I'd also like to just say from Doctors Manitoba, we were really pleased that healthcare was was on the platform of all the parties. So I'd like to congratulate them all with the election. Uh, you know, as far as the ERs, you know, it's tough. We had a town hall about a week and a half ago or so where Mr. Canoe talked about this directly and he indicated that, uh, you know, he's going to open them, he's going to make some changes to them, but he also commented that there's no ICU that'll be at, at these uh, uh, converted back to ERs. So from Doctors Manitoba's perspective, we are happy to sit at the table with them to discuss how we want to implement these changes, but they are not easy. An ER is not the same depending on where you are and what available resources you have to support that OR, whether it's an ICU, a cath lab, a maternity ward, whatever it is. So how they want to see these OR, ERs uh, open up and what they look like, we are anxious to open that discussion for sure. How hopeful are you that there will be those dis- discussions, Dr. Boroditsky, that, that you'll be consulted? Because we know that quite often government just gets it in their mind that they know best and they, they forge ahead with their plans and, and ask uh, those that have to work in these uh, circumstances, in these facilities, uh, basically uh, deal with what we've provided for you. How hopeful am I? So I'm an ever optimist. So I think the NDP are passionate about their plan. And from Doctors Manitoba's perspective, we are very hopeful and optimistic that we're going to be at the table. Uh, They have said such that we will be present uh, to make these discussions and changes. So we are anticipating that that'll move forward, um, you know, in the near future. Now, the plan to open three three ERs sounds great, but you need people running those ERs. You need doctors. So how quickly yeah. can we actually see any movement on that front when it comes to training and retaining? Yeah, so that's been an ever uh, ongoing question. You know, you need more than doctors for sure. I mean, we are just one small cog uh, in this big wheel. So uh, that is not easy to train one physician to be an emergency doc. At minimum, you're looking, uh, you know, 10 years from them starting university, seven once they've done their first undergraduate year. So you're doing four or more years of medicine, three more years of residency. So locally training, we are improving that, I hope, and this government will hopefully continue with that as they expressed. But having that change imminently is a a difficult thing. We have discussed the international medical graduates with them, and there is a commitment as well to expand. That was done in the Well, I guess I'll call them the present government. They committed to that, and the NDP have committed to continuing that. You might see some numbers increase a little bit more with that, but but that's hard. It's it's not easy to make a doctor fully trained and ready to perform uh, in a short order of time. One of the questions we asked often over the last year or so, you know, coming out of the key points of the pandemic was, okay, well, how long will we have to wait? When will we see improvements on diagnostic wait times? Or when will we see improvements on ER wait times? And you just referenced the time frame to train a single doctor. 
is it reasonable to have an expectation that that if these promises are implemented and if we can hire more doctors and retrain them, that I can set a timeline, Dr. Boroditsky, to any of this? Like in a year, I might feel the system's improving, two years, four years? So I, I, it depends on which one you're looking at. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, diagnostics is different than surgical wait times, which is different than emergency wait times. You know, for example, when you look at the ERs, we talk about this all the time. The wait time in the ER is not as much about the ER, although that contributes. It is much about the beds in the hospital, the infrastructure of the internal beds, uh, the infrastructure of PCHs to get someone home, the robustness of home care. So, yes, I think it's a good idea to have some sort of timeline because that holds people accountable. But that will be different depending on what you're looking at, right? Uh, Diagnostics. That's a little bit more tangible. You can get more meat on the bones with that. You can open up and extend, as they have done, the hours that you can access it, right? You can get an MRI now, I think, at Saturday at 7 p.m. or something like that. So, you know, it's a little bit easier to measure that. But, you know, reasonable. That's a tough question. Is it reasonable? I don't have an answer. Healthcare rarely is reasonable in my experience. So ERs, part of the issue with ERs in the view of many is the fact that too many people that don't need to be there end up in an ER because they don't have other options. What is the fallout? What is the detriment of closing down ultimately three urgent care centers? So that's an excellent question. You do need to have some fill and there does require some triaging of patients. And that needs to be done with guidance with healthcare professionals, with guidance with government, but also on the Manitobans themselves to try to triage what is urgent, what is emergent, what can wait, but that requires access. So if we're going to ask Manitobans to triage a little bit and know where to go, they have to have access and options. And that's where Doctors Manitoba would sit at the table and discuss what can we do to improve access to primary care. We can improve access to more maybe urgent, not emergent care, whether it's clinics, uh, whether it's more family physicians, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, other allied health care. We need to expand and have a team effort to allow patients to have options and not just sit for 15 hours in an emergent or urgent care unit. Dr. Michael Boroditsky, President of Doctors Manitoba, thank you very much for joining us this morning, sir. We appreciate the time. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. A reminder that we are asking you this morning to tell us about a time you were stumped by digital technology for a chance to win a heebie-jeebies VIP package. We'll pick that winner at 9.15, so shoot us a story on our text line. Like the faucets in the washrooms where I can never get water to come out of them. That's technology. Like you wave and you're you doing like, like, the touchless? Oh, yeah. you're doing yeah. like a like a touchless, the touchless yeah. faucet. You're trying to get water out. And probably every other time I walk into one, I'm like, <laughs> wave my hands around, <laughs> doing jazz hands, doing a little over here, giving the fawns. I'm giving what the hang loose. What was that? What's the little thing? <laughs> Hello, faucet. Like I need to wash my hands here. And you're invariably you're next to someone whose thing is working perfectly fine and you're just frantically waving your hands around like this loser. So those drive me nuts. The paper towels drive me nuts. The number of times you now wait, you expect the door to be automatic. Yeah. And it's not. I don't run into the door, but I get pretty close. I'm like, oh, so I, so I guess I just do this myself. I love (laughs) what? I love Jerry Seinfeld's take on the whole (laughs) touchless faucets. Like what do they think we're going to do? go into the airport and turn on all the taps 
and then run out. It's Woo-hoo! hygiene, right? We turn on all the taps. <laughs> but is it not just We're hygiene? In the water. They don't want you touching the taps for hygiene, right? Yes. But you could just shut it off with your elbows. And it, it it always it inevitably works when you don't need it to, and then when you want it, it's like you swipe, 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 and then you walk away, and then of course you hear it running right over your you. shoulder. And you know yeah. what? If it is for hygiene, which is the cell, the sure. number of people that you watch can't get it to work, or like it takes them so long, but they, by the time the water drips out, they barely wash their hands. Yeah, so now they, they're more disgusting than they were under the old system. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they do it for hygiene, and then they have us pull the door into the washroom. Right. And grab that handle that where like 40% of the people never washed their hands have grabbed the handle. And my clean hands gets paper towel that automatically comes out. Mm. But my hands that I just used to go to the bathroom with have to touch the toilet paper that someone else just touched. The toilet paper, your (laughs) pants, the button on your pants, your belt, and then the little dealy thing on the door. Like think of the number of things you touch in the bathroom before you actually wash your hands. What are the NDP going to do about that? <laughs> That's my question. I mean, we got serious questions. I get it. And I'm joking. I'm not about to ask them that. We, we're working to get the, the premier designate on in the next few hours. So However. we have all sorts of questions. <laughs> However, you know, maybe these are things I should run a campaign on. I will bring you the best, most hygienic public washroom system. Yeah. In the land. We, uh, <laughs> we, we jest, but we do want to ask... Don't answer, you know, Lorenz answer, <laughs> the most hygienic washrooms in the land. But uh, what would you like to see? Let's have some positivity this morning. Uh, no, mar- no matter who you voted for, what would you like to see in the, in the first hundred days from this government? This government that's not even been sworn in yet. Wab Canoe's still the premier designate. Is that the correct terminology? We, we often hear premier elect, but it's premier designate. Okay. Designate. Yeah, just kind of waiting that. in the wings, right? So 204-780-6868. What would you like to see? What, what would indicate in the, in the bomber pregame show, we often will talk about, well, what do you want to see? What will give us an indication that the bombers have shown up or that the bombers are on the right track, that the blue bombers are, are going to ultimately win the game tonight? And, and typically there are two or three things that you look for. What would you like to see in that first three months or so that give you an indication that the NDP are on the road to at least trying to keep some of their promises and if you want your own thing, let us know. Positivity, please. 204-780-6868. In the meantime, while we wait for your feedback to come in on that front, we want to switch gears here uh, because there is a a worrying trend, Loren, that has some of its roots during the pandemic. Yeah, and we've been looking at this for, as you mentioned, the pandemic a couple years now, but the number of children and teenagers who needed hospital care due to an eating disorder increased significantly during covid according to new research, and there might be concerns that continues to rise. So we get more now from Catherine Ward. When routines came to a grinding halt during COVID-19, experts say young people lost out on structured activities and the typical school experience. The effects resulted in many more visits to emergency rooms for eating disorders than there would have been normally, according to this study. Researchers looked at health data from Ontario emergency room visits and hospital admissions from three years before the pandemic and compared it to the first two and a half years of COVID-19. 
ER visits for eating disorders jumped by 121% above expected rates among young people 10 to 17 years of age in the latter period. Lead author Dr. Alain Tulaney at Toronto's Hospital for Sick Children says adolescents are uniquely vulnerable to many different types of stress as their brains are still developing. The pandemic created a perfect storm of social isolation, where there was extended time at home, a fear of infection, and a big increase in hours logged on social media. She says these risk factors may have contributed to the rise in eating disorders. They may not be able to interpret these messages with the same you know, abstract thought and nuance that uh, that others like adults are able to interpret. So there may be, you know, obviously more internalization and impact on their overall well-being and sense of uncertainty and lack of control. Experts say while the pandemic exacerbated eating disorders, it also drew awareness to many of these issues which have existed for some time. Researchers say more investments and research are needed in the field, which they say is often underfunded. Catherine Ward, Global News, Toronto. And as that demand goes up, you you know, again, it's one of those things that puts pressures on the system in terms of who's going to be there to help you or your kid. And I know in Alberta, they just had a story out, I think it was in September, about the fact that the demand on programs to help kids with eating disorders is on the rise, like the demand for so many other things. And then when you need that help, is it going to be there? And so I, when it comes down to this, I often think, oh, when they're too young to think about it at a certain age, you think that's for teens or young adults, but it can start super young where the kids are looking at their bodies at, you know, eight, nine, 10 and asking questions. This isn't brand new. We had these conversations when I was a kid, you know, the way that our bodies were portrayed in magazines, um, you know, particularly young women, but for, for, for men as well. Um, I grew up in the, in the steroid era where steroids were around and it it was enticing thought to go, Hmm, maybe I should juice up a little bit. My muscles would get bigger a little bit more quickly. I could, uh, I could work a little bit harder, but I could work harder and get the juice. And I had lots of friends who went that route because of their body image issues and the want to look and be more fit. So we're talking almost 40 years ago, but now with social media and I think the ability and the willingness for people to discuss these things more openly, it's like mental health to a great extent, Brett. I think we're talking about these things more. We're maybe a little bit more open about them. And so when our kids come to us and they need help with it, we need to have the resources to help them when they say, hey, I got a problem here. Yeah, especially when you think you mentioned the magazines and uh, or I, even even comic books, uh, the way that both men and women were once upon a time portrayed in comic books. But uh, the instantaneous access that we have now to see attractive people, be it female or male, it's just like I could doom scroll on Instagram for infinity. So and and when I see that. And when I, whether it's good looking women, I think, well, I I could never attain a woman like that. Or I see good, you know, fitness guys. I'm like, I'll never look like that. And even at 46, it makes me feel lousy about myself. And I wonder what would 12 year old Brett have done with this technology? How would, would that kid have felt? The pressure, like, and you talk about your, it's your body image. It's the pressure of friendships. It's the pressure of parenting. When you watch someone make a better lunch than you, it's the pressure of, is everybody doing wall Pilates now? Like, am I the only one not doing wall Pilates? Because I looked that up once. And apparently if I do it for two weeks, I suddenly will just look incredible. Is everybody intermittent fasting? Like all these things coming at you and you think you're a grown man. 
dealing with it. I'm a grown woman who did do wall Pilates the other day. Oh, by yeah? The way. Well, these videos are Every, telling Everybody's me. doing it, so Everybody you must. I must be doing I it. I have a crown. Wait till you see me in two weeks. Apparently, it's going to be remarkable. <laughs> I have crown molding envy. Well, even that, when I right? go on the Housing. Instagram, right? People are, everybody are putting up their, these uh, wainscoting and all these different things to dress up their sure. homes and the molding and all this oh, different yeah? stuff or whatever. And I'm like, just when I thought my house was where I wanted it to be, I got to, I got to, I got to level up. <laughs> Otherwise I'm, I'm not keeping up. And there's another problem because now that you've clicked on one of those things, your mm-hmm. algorithm is going to keep feeding and it so to you. It feels like you everybody is doing it to the point where if you're not, you're somehow negligent. Can we fix that? Like, is that, can you reset yeah, your don't algorithm? Yeah, go on Instagram. Yeah, but it's too late now. The only way, there was, there was, um, I looked at a video once this woman popped up. It was a stupid TikTok kind of trend. And I looked at one video of hers and then she kept popping up every day. And it, it was like the Simpsons thing. Just don't look. Just know, don't but look. But it took me a month for, for, for not clicking. I would see her videos come up, but I wouldn't click on them. Sure. And eventually they, they went away. But it took a month. So that's how it, it takes one view for your algorithm to suck that in. And it takes a month to spit it out. If you looked at my feed, you would think I was a gourmet chef <laughs> and also like the world's best Pilates instructor based on the number of videos in those two categories. And I don't do either of those things. You want to ride in my Ferrari? I have seven. <laughs> well, I should, apparently. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb trying to keep it positive and ask you. What do you want to see from the new NDP government after Election Day yesterday? Lots of feedback at 204-780-6868. In the first few seconds of asking that question, we had several listeners text about they'd like to see the MPI strike end because we're, I don't know, we're four or five weeks into that, longer, but that's been going on for a while. Another one about hoping to see a province that can work together. This listener says less bickering, more collaboration between the parties. We need more balance. I think that's a positive one. Um, Do you see what Linda has to say there? Yes. And uh, we got this uh, a little bit earlier. I think it was a tongue in cheek. Uh, How come gas hasn't gone down 14 cents this morning? (laughs) Because he was, his promise is to remove the provincial portion. That's right. Which is right now, I think is 14 cents. Linda says, I would like to see the gas price go down as one of the first changes of the NDP. And we will hold the, the new premier uh, his feet to the fire on that one because uh, that is something that sounded as though was going to be as immediate as possible. I wonder how easy that is to do. If you watch gas stations, right, when they all just suddenly realign their gas prices, that ticker can go pretty quick. So you'd like to think, I don't know, is that an email? Just a dear co-op? Well, I, yeah, I was going to say, just go to the <laughs> only independent in the city and then tell them to... Reduce and, it fourteen, and, and then everybody else will do. It. Absolutely, yeah. or go to Westwood. I always find when we when we when we were driving out to the hockey for all center. This is just a sidebar, but I've noticed this anytime I go to Westwood slash Crestview, the gas is always cheaper down that oh, stretch really? of portage. Oh, interesting. Not this not by some... much, but it was like it was cheaper. I noticed when we were heading out there last week, and I noticed gas at one fifty five nine uh, somewhere in Pemina, and it was one sixty four nine at my Shell, and it was one forty six nine in Morden. So. 
Yeah, it'd be nice to have some consistency. Well, it's worth the trip to Morden, apparently. So that's a good question, you know, because can that be done sooner rather than later? Another one of our listeners says, you know, these promises around healthcare are dec- decades in the making, and there's not a lot of faith that that's going to be fixed. So they say in the first three months, I'd like to see our fuel prices go down, make groceries more affordable, and our taxes go down. If you can make one or all of these happen, I'll accept the fact that we have an NDP government. Healthcare, I don't care about. It's been broken forever and can't be fixed to anyone's likings. That's a really good point. Yeah, the NDP got in under Gary Dewar under the promise to fix hallway medicine, right? That's right. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm with some ridiculously low amount of money too. Like it was. Look, this is going to be the bane of our existence, uh, probably forever, and it's just going to be uh, nuance in terms of how many changes you can make. We'll see how much drastic change can be made. Uh, I'm very much Missouri on this one right now. You got to show me that you can do it. Because <laughs> the show me state. Because the show I me get state. It. You got I get that? It. I, I am now at the point where this hit around 1030 last night that, you know, the brain only has so much On the capacity. license plate, Loren, <laughs> uh, you know, in Missouri, it says... Missouri, I get it once you've explained it. State. I'm now like my car where I often leave it on fumes just to see how far I can go with it. Yep. And, You're treating your body the same I'm way today. I'm treating my body the same way. <laughs> you get it. You can get there. You'll get there. Just have another starburst. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe you. the two of you haven't crashed yet from the candy. But again, again, great job, both of you, last night on the coverage. Uh, great job to all the team. Hal was there. Julie was there. Richard was there. We can't end this segment without the promise from one of our listeners that says they would like to see the new leadership return Portage of Maine back to its former glory. Currently, it's nothing but a dilapidated, filthy, dangerous, horrible eyesore and hangout. The whole area is disgusting. And that goes for above and, and a bit below ground because I stayed across the street last night and wasn't sure if I should run through the underground last night at 12 midnight or should I hop the barricades and run over? And then, you know, I was talking to somebody in that underground around six as I made my way back to the studio and they wanted to go to the liquor store. And I said, oh, I don't know which one I would direct you to right now. Not because I don't know where they are, Yeah, but I don't, she said, what would be the safest choice? And I just sort of sat there and thought, (laughs) I, you can't get there from here is your answer. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Our question of the day at CJOB.com. The Liberals captured only one seat in the provincial election, down from three seats. Is there a future for the Liberals in Manitoba? And so far at CJOB.com, 29% say, I don't know, that's a tough hill to climb. 23% say, yes, they'll bounce back eventually. And just over 48% say, no, they're done. Cast your vote at CJOB.com. But the, that was one of two concession speeches we heard last night, Loren. I was just saying off air, Greg, this idea of, you know, you heard Dougal Lamont go up there and that was unexpected for me. I I expected if they went down to one that he'd consider stepping aside as leader, particularly if he lost his own seat. But it was like in that moment, he just, you know, you could see the defeat and he thought, that's it. I'm walking away now. And it was very emotional to see him do that. And you could see him try to work through the possibilities of, of holding on to those emotions, thanking the people in the room. And then within the next half an hour, Maybe a little later, we had Heather Stephenson of the Progressive Conservatives, our, our former premier, say she too was was done and, and she's done as leader. And I'm assuming she'll step aside at some point in tuxedo too and someone new will run there. But it had me thinking about this idea of, you know, we 
we don't often in life get to stand up anywhere and say thank you to the people who've contributed to it in that kind of forum. We don't. We certainly don't make speeches in the general sense in most workplaces, right? There might be a retirement party where you get to say goodbye, or or on your last day as they walk you out with your box, you might be like, right. "So long, suckers." I don't know. You might think of something. <laughs> well, going out on your own terms, going is, out on your own terms is very unusual in a lot in most circumstances, right? Uh, how often in this business are you behind the microphone until ten o'clock on a Monday morning? And you walk out and there's somebody waiting for you. And, and oh, I hate to tell you, but that was your last show. We've seen it with n- numerous colleagues over the years. It's just the nature of the beast. Uh, hockey players, like Blake Wheeler, left Winnipeg after 12 seasons. Uh, good, almost half of them as captain of the Winnipeg Jets. There was no big speech. There might be a speech when the Rangers come to town this season, maybe. But I, I doubt it. You know, it doesn't really matter who you are, the ability to say your goodbyes and to give your thank yous and express your gratitude as you go on into the next phase and, and, you know, you bid adieu, super uncommon. And getting it right too in that moment, the tone you want to set, are you like, I've, (laughs) I've said goodbye to things before and I've been in tears and I'm not unhappy, but it's so emotional to do it. And then, Brett, you referenced that it's sort of like the idea of that thank you note. Do you send them or not send them? And how do you express in that moment, like, this is super hard and awful, but, man, I love you people. Thank you for all you've done. Yeah. Yeah, When it, just when it comes to general thanks and not necessarily a, a goodbye thank you. Uh, I've never been a thank you note person, but that not because I'm not thankful. It's because I tend to go out of my way to thank somebody for something just in person, mm-hmm. I'd rather say it to you. Hey, thank you. And to the point where I think I sometimes do it too often or, or like makes people uncomfortable. Like here's a perfect example. Um, when I started, when the pandemic hit and everything shut down, all the restaurants closed and we were talking to the King's Head on and off. Once they reopened, I was the first customer through the door. It was that cold February day, Greg, and you took a video of me walking down the street as I was all bundled up. I was the first customer through the door when they reopened, and that has become my Friday home. And I've become befriended a lot of the people who work there. And I went golfing with them one day, and you know, I watched the, them have their ups and downs and peaks and valleys of the pandemic, but I, be, I was very thankful that I was welcomed into their community because that helped me get through the pandemic as well. It gave me something to look forward to at the end of the week. So we were standing on a tee box, 13th, 14th tee box at Kingswood. I even remember the moment. And I just turned around and said, guys, this is going to be weird, but I just wanted to say thanks for everything. You make me feel like I have a home. Mm-hmm. Like, a, like I, I always wanted a place like, you know, watching Cheers growing You're up. Norm. Yeah, they make me feel like Norm. And that just, that meant a lot to me. So I wanted to make sure to say thanks in spite of the fact that they might have thought just shut up and hit your ball already. I Did don't they know. respond or was it just sort of like thank you, thank you and move on? I think it I think it touched them. I, I, there, I, there was a, there, there was like a they, they were sheepish about it but they just said oh, thanks man. I think for the most part, you know, like it's this whole idea of no matter how you do it whether you're going out and saying goodbye or thank you or where you're on the receiving end, I don't know if it's something you can say too much. And we may not always get that opportunity. So maybe it's a way of thinking like, how do I create my own stage with a microphone where I can just be like, you know, just before I go, just got a list of people I'd like to thank today for getting me through today. Forche, thank you. Sarah, you make me smile. My husband, thank you. You know? 
Just have a big party, and then that way you a, can do a once a day month. Oscar speech. No, just you know <laughs> those those landmark birthdays. Just uh, have everyone over to your house, uh, fill them with alcohol, cake, and 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 other delights, and then just take the opportunity after the after the cake comes out and everybody's yelling speech. Take advantage. Don't just go. Ah, I got nothing to say. Just glad you're all Except here. Except for it's a fine line. You start going down down the list of thanking someone. Like poor Hillary Swank, when she won her first Oscar, looked around the room and thanked all sorts of people. And I don't think she thanked, it was, a, who was her husband at the time? Oh. Chad Swayze? Okay. No, not Swayze. Chad Lowe. Okay. Didn't thank the husband? Didn't thank the husband. How long did their marriage last after well, that? Well, that's, was that why? You start going down that road. <laughs> maybe a, things were on the rocks you before that. Maybe party, that's Greg. why she didn't have, uh, maybe that's why she didn't <laughs> thank him. As an aside, that's, whether it's an Oscar speech or whatever, when that kind of thing happens, oh, well, they didn't thank so-and-so. Okay, you know what? You, you stand, you're standing in front of a huge crowd. You've got a, a, a sign, like a teleprompter in front of you saying, rap now, shut I up, stop talking. <laughs> yeah, I just started 10 <laughs> seconds ago. Your brain, brain isn't working. Of course you're going to forget to thank somebody important. Macklin's next birthday party, when he starts that speech, you and I are going to hold up like a say anything ghetto blaster and just crank it and be like, your time's up, Macklin. Well, you missed my speech the last time on my 50th. I think you guys were already gone. You missed out on the cake. So, <laughs> were we? Yep. Is it because you charged too much for drinks? And it was like that moment where I realized it was 150. Well, it was, but, no, it was the door charge. <laughs> Cover charge. Man. This morning has been like every few minutes takes a turn. The brain is like on a U-turn S-curve. I think that's how a lot of people are feeling today. A lot of people were up late watching that election coverage. You two were part of it. And uh, I just also got to say out loud, Julie Buckingham had a really cool jacket last night. So I thought she looked really sharp. She looked sharp. I like that jacket. where that came from. Yeah. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Times you were stumped by digital technology like Greg, who couldn't get his steep tea this morning because their system was down. Grr. So we've got a heebie-jeebies VIP package to give away. One of our runners-up, Greg, takes us to the airport. <laughs> technology embarrassment with the spinning entrances at the airport. Can I time it with my luggage? Is there room with that other person in there? Or do I wait my turn with all these people coming and going? So frustrating. Just have automatic sliding doors, please. And I think the airport would say that's an effort to, to limit the amount of heat that escapes and the amount mm. of cold that infiltrates that airport. Uh, I, I, I'm guessing that's why they do the, the spinning doors of doom. That makes sense. Yeah, I hate the uh, the doors at Ikea. Can't stand those. Cat, another runner-up. Cat says, tech surprise, ended up getting a new modem for the house through an app. Through an app, it was just able to sync everything. So no need to add new Wi-Fi to the entire house. Well, one night, husband's PlayStation wasn't working, goes up to the modem, presses the reset button, takes out the entire house. Nothing on Wi-Fi is working. And I'm talking cameras, Alexa, Four laptops, oh boy. two computers, five cell phones, light bulbs. And now everything needs a password. So everything needed a login <laughs> six hours later for someone pushing a button instead of just restarting the cell app. Cameron Poitras's worst nightmare, in case you missed his rant on don't get him started on authentication and passwords at 6.50. Yeah, that was perfect. If you want to listen to that in the audio vault, another classic cam rampage. But Loren Mark 
is our winner today. Mark says, this is not so much about getting stumped. We had two workstations, no laptops or PCs. We worked with one guy who typed with two fingers. He never looked at his screen, just the keyboard. We took the keys off. We switched the O and the I and the E and the R and the N and the M. (laughs) There's a couple more that we switched, Mark says. He was sending a message, looked down, packed it out, looked at the screen, perplexed, erases everything, starts over, same process, looks up, then says, something is wrong with my computer. Everyone was killing themselves laughing behind the monitors. So he calls IT, explains the issue. They tell him, not possible. He assures them something is wrong. IT makes a visit to his desk. They ask him how to show the process. He starts pecking the message. Of course, it all comes up wrong. The IT guy says, someone's messed with your keyboard and has switched the letters. He looks around and says, you guys. (laughs) If you've ever been the victim of that prank, Uh. it's very (laughs) embarrassing. Yeah. It should mm. be, though. Oh. I wouldn't assume that mm-hmm. that was. Oh, yeah. I always looked at the keyboard. They got me with the N and N and M yeah. reversal at uh, at one of my jobs in Calgary one time. Yeah, they never let I, me live it down I either. don't look at the keyboard. Not anymore. I mean, and I, I it's funny. that like I've been I, typing for 30 years, and I couldn't identify where, like, where the keys are. But as soon as my hands are on the keyboard, it just happens. Like, I, you and I are forever just having... Conversations where I'm talking to you, <laughs> typing, not looking at my screen. Lorena is the faster typer. We did a, With a we lot did a, of typos. We, we, did, we did the test one day. Did you? Yeah, we we, we, were, play, we were playing a game, and uh, I think you got over a hundred. Yeah, but I think minute. I had more errors, and it's at the point now when I send text messages. Brett has to like put on a like a Loren <laughs> translator. Oh my word! Some of the words that your phone it. comes up with. He just, Shocking. Well, I don't care anymore. I just type, and I know, like, I, I can see that that is not the word I meant. I'm like, Brett's got this. He'll figure this There's out. There's a restaurant <laughs> in Bath called Joe Bespiflix. <laughs> After, I think, he's a character in uh, one of the cartoons. Yeah, that's what some of your words look like, Bespiflix. Like, if I'm ever in trouble, like abducted or something, I'm texting Brett, because it'll be a series of, like, and he'll be like, oh, boy, she's in trouble. She's, she's got- been abducted by aliens. <laughs> hey, coming up, and sp- congratulations, Mark. You win the heebie-jeebie package.